Chapter 55 of History of the Norwegian People, Volume 1 by Knut Gershet. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Reign of King Sigurd the Crusader After Eystein's death, Sigurd ruled Norway for seven years, pursuant to the policy of peace and cultural development inaugurated by his brother. He made a crusade against the Swedish province of Småland, and forced the yet heathen inhabitants of this district to accept the Christian faith but the expedition seems to have been undertaken for the purpose of fulfilling a promise which he had made in Palestine, that he would do everything possible to further the cause of Christianity. Sigurd was imbued with a religious zeal of the crusading-type characteristic of the age, and he sought earnestly to improve the organization of the church, and to give the clergy more power and greater independence of secular authorities. By these efforts he was clearly assisting the church in its efforts to establish itself as an independent power and supreme authority, though he was, possibly, unable to foresee that this new power, once securely established, would recoil most forcibly against the royal authority which had been instrumental in creating it. The statement of Ordericus Vitalis, that Sigurd first built monasteries in Norway and established permanent bishoprics there, is indeed erroneous, but he established a fourth bishopric at Stavanger though the year when this happened cannot be determined. He continued the work on the Christ Church in Bergen and completed the St. Halvard's Church in Oslo. He had also promised while in Jerusalem to make his kingdom an archbishopric, but this promise he could not fulfill as the Church of Norway was still too little developed to be organized into an independent ecclesiastical province. The most important step taken by Sigurd in church affairs was the introduction of the system of tithes, this was a tithe on incomes, and was to be substituted for the salaries which had hitherto been paid to the priests and functionaries of the church. But the salaries were collected as before, and the clergy could now rejoice over a great increase in their income. King Sigurd established his permanent residence in the trading town of Konghelle, in southeastern Norway, which through his efforts soon ranked with the most important cities in the kingdom. He erected a large castle there, and surrounded it with walls and moats. Inside the walls he built a royal residence and erected the Church of the Holy Cross, to which he gave the chip of the cross of Christ which he had received in Jerusalem. He had promised to deposit it in the Christ Church in Trondheim, but he donated it to this new church, as it seems, for the purpose of giving the growing town of Konghelle increased prestige. On the altar of the church he placed a costly chest which he had received from Prince Eric Emune of Denmark, and also a plenarium written with gold letters which the Patriarch of Jerusalem had given him. In speaking of the Norwegian cities at this time, Ordericus Vitalis says, Along the coast of Norway, by the sea, are found the following five cities, Bergen, Konghelle, Kaupang, Nidaros, Borg, Sarpsborg, and Oslo. There is also a sixth city by the name of Tunsberg, which lies eastwards towards the Danes. Stavanger is not mentioned. King Sigurd had suffered at times from serious mental aberrations which plunged him into the deepest anguish and despondency. As years passed, his mental condition grew worse, until he was seized with violent fits of insanity. On Pentecost Sunday, as he sat in his hall with his queen, Malmfried, surrounded by many friends and guests, his men noticed to their horror that the king had suddenly become insane. He rolled his eyes wildly and stared around the hall and at his men. He grabbed a costly book written with golden letters, which he had brought from Constantinople, looked at the queen, and said, How much can be changed in a person's lifetime? 
When I came to this land, I had two things which I considered more precious than all the others, this book and my queen. Now it seems to me that one is worse than the other. The queen does not know how horrid she looks. She has a goat horn in her forehead, and the more lovely she looked then, the more horrid she looks now. This book is worth nothing. With these words, he threw the book into the fire and struck the queen in the face. She wept, but more because of the king's illness than because of his conduct towards her. Before the king stood a young Kurtisvang, page, Otterberting, small in stature but handsome and dark-haired. He snatched the book from the fire and said to the king, It is different now, my lord, from the day when you returned with honor and glory to Norway, and all your friends hastened to meet you and greeted you with reverence as their king. Now days of sorrow have come. Many of your friends have assembled to celebrate this festival, but they cannot be glad because of your sad condition. Be good, my lord, and take my advice. Console with your kindness the queen, whom you have grievously wronged, and also your chieftains, your herd, your friends, and your servants. What? shouted the king. Darest thou, ugly peasant boy of the humblest descent, to give me advice? He jumped up and raised the sword with both hands over the boy's head. But Berting looked at him calm and fearless, and the king dropped the side of the sword on his shoulder, and sat down without saying a word. Everybody in the hall was silent. The king had now regained his composure and looked around with calmness. But late one tries his own men and learns how they really are, he said. Here my best friends are assembled, Lendermand, Stollerer, Skultilsweiner, and the foremost men in the land, but no one served me as well as this page, whom I suppose you consider very inferior to yourselves. This page is Otter Berthing. He has shown me the greatest devotion. Here I, an insane man, was about to destroy my treasure, but he saved it so that it was not damaged. Neither did he fear death, but he spoke to me in such words that I felt honored. He did not mention anything that could arouse my anger, although he had good reason to. He spoke so well that no one present could have spoken better. I jumped up in a rage and was going to strike him with the sword, but he was so brave that he showed no fear. Therefore I did him no harm, for he ought not to die because of his virtue. But now, my friends, I will let you know how I intend to reward him. Hitherto he has been my Curtis fan, now he shall be my Landermand. And before that he shall from this moment be the foremost among the Landermand. Take therefore, Otter, thy seat among the Landermand. Thou shalt serve no longer. Otter became afterwards a prominent and highly honored man. It may have been largely due to his diseased state of mind that Sigurd finally put away Queen Malmfried and married a young lady, Cecilia, with whom he had fallen in love. Bishop Magni of Bergen refused to allow this marriage to be performed, but Sigurd finally induced Bishop Reinald of Stavanger to grant permission by offering to contribute liberally to the Stavanger Cathedral which the bishop was building. King Sigurd died in Oslo in the spring of the year 1130 and was interred in the church of St. Halvard. End of chapter 55